The United States really is the world's most hypocritical country. We can see this in many different ways when Washington lectures other countries about human rights and democracy, considering that the United States wages war around the world. The U.S. has 800 foreign military bases and the United States has around 4% of the global population and yet 20% of the world's entire prison population. But another clear example of this hypocrisy and one that is increasingly common is Washington accusing other countries of not doing enough to fight climate change. This is especially ironic given that if you look at the data going back to 1750, the United States historically has been the largest contributor to climate change on all of planet Earth, cumulatively emitting more carbon dioxide, that is CO2, than any other country. In the past few years, as China has developed economically and become the world's manufacturing superpower responsible for nearly one third of global manufacturing, I'm going to put in the description below the link to a video in which I discuss that historic transition. As China has carried out this remarkable economic development and lifted more than 800 million people out of poverty, that has meant that as the economy develops, China is now emitting more and more CO2. So the United States has criticized China, but there are so many misleading elements to Washington's rhetoric about Beijing. One of Washington's favorite talking points to attack China is the fact that China has become the world's largest net emitter of CO2. However, I need to emphasize net because that does not take into consideration the importance of the size of the Chinese population. The United States constantly wags its finger at China and says China needs to do more to fight climate change. It needs to reduce its carbon emissions. What is not acknowledged is that China has a population that is four times larger than the U.S. population. There are 1.4 billion people in China. Compare that to the U.S., which has around 340 million. That is to say, there are four times more people in China than in the U.S. So if you look at per capita CO2 emissions, that is by head per capita, that is you take the total emissions and divide it by the number of people in the country, you can see that the United States has led the world in carbon emissions. And this is not something recent. This goes back well over 100 years. The most recent data from 2021 shows that the U.S. still emits nearly twice as much carbon per capita as China does. So when you hear people in the United States and other Western countries criticize China for carbon emissions, keep in mind once again the size of the population. This isn't to mention, by the way, if you look back historically, the U.S. and Canada and other Western countries have a major historic responsibility to bear the biggest burden in fighting climate change. Because if you look at China's per capita carbon emissions, it wasn't until 2005 that it passed the world average. 
So China for less than 20 years has been above the world average of carbon emissions, whereas the United States has been above the world average of carbon emissions for 200 years. Specifically, the US military is the world's largest institutional consumer of oil, of fossil fuels. It is the world's largest institutional emitter of carbon dioxide. I'm gonna read here from a report in Mother Jones that cites a political scientist at Oxford University, Netta Crawford, who pointed out that the US Department of Defense, that is the Pentagon, is the single largest institutional fossil fuel user in the world. Since 2001, the US military has been responsible for 77 to 80% of US federal energy consumption, that is four fifths. The Department of Defense maintains more than 560,000 buildings on about 500 bases around the world. That is according to certain official data that they're citing. In reality, other studies have shown that the U.S. military has around 800 foreign military bases. But the point is that we're talking about over half a million buildings that they, of course, have air conditioning in. And furthermore, the article also adds that like a Goliath multinational corporation, the U.S. military relies on an extensive network of fossil-fueled ships, trucks, planes, and other vehicles to support its operations, from dropping bombs to delivering humanitarian aid, all of which makes the military a key contributor to climate change and one of the largest polluters in human history. So this is peak hypocrisy. It is the wealthy imperialist countries concentrated in the global north that have a historic debt to the rest of the world, to the global south, to carry out reforms and implement renewable energy policies and reduce their carbon emissions because they developed, they became rich through war, through colonialism, through exploitation of fossil fuels. And yet now they're lecturing countries in the global south that want to develop economically and saying that they have an equal responsibility to fight climate change. Now, this is ridiculous. And this is why many countries in the global south are demanding climate reparations. They recognize the need to fight climate change. Climate change is a very real threat. We see it everywhere we look with more and more extreme weather, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes very hot weather, droughts. This is affecting everyone around the world, but in particular, by the way, it is affecting the Global South countries that were colonized by the wealthy colonial countries, imperialist countries in the Global North, and yet those countries in the North are lecturing in relatively underdeveloped countries in the Global South, telling them that they have an equal responsibility. No, no, this is not how the transition toward renewable energy should work. A clear example of this hypocrisy and arrogance could be seen this July in an interview done by the top U.S. national security official, Jake Sullivan. He is President Biden's national security advisor. And he went on to CNN in an interview with the CNN host, Jake Tapper, and he wagged his finger at China and complained that China supposedly isn't doing enough to fight climate change, despite the fact that China is leading the world in the fight against climate change. Here is this incredibly hypocritical clip. China 
uh, is on track to become the world the world's worst all-time polluter in part because the United Nations allows China to maintain higher emissions because they categorize them as a developing nation. Now, the House of Representatives voted 415 to zero to reverse that in March. Isn't the House right? Isn't it time for the U.N. to stop allowing China to, to categorize itself as a developing nation when it comes to climate change? Well, actually, Jake, the Paris Climate Agreement, which was agreed back in 2015 and which we have rejoined in the Biden administration, actually lays out that every country, including China, has a responsibility to reduce emissions. And the world, I do believe, should step up and encourage, indeed, pressure China to take far more dramatic action to reduce emissions. They should not be able to hide behind any kind of claim that they are a developing nation to step up to their responsibility. And their responsibility under the Paris Climate Accord is to take significant, substantial action to reduce emissions on a defined time frame in the near term. And there is more work for them to do on that front. And Secretary Kerry will make that point when he's in Beijing. There are so many ludicrous things that the U.S. National Security Advisor said there that I'm going to respond to. I'm going to pick apart and fact check. First, I just want to start with his remark that China can't hide behind the fact, the claim he said, that China is a developing nation as if China is not developing. China absolutely is a developing nation. And China was partially colonized by numerous powers, not only Japan, including by the United States, by the way, over the century of humiliation that ended with the revolution in 1949. Let's not forget, as recently as 1900, which was not that long ago, the U.S. was part of the so-called Eight-Nation Alliance that invaded China and militarily occupied the capital, Beijing. There are photos from 1900, 1901 of U.S. soldiers, British soldiers, Japanese soldiers, czarist Russian soldiers, other European soldiers militarily occupying the Chinese capital. The United States was part of that. And then the U.S. was part of the imposition of an unequal treaty on China that forced the Chinese government to pay war reparations to the foreign imperial powers that invaded it that were larger than the entire tax revenue in China at the time. So the U.S. lecturing China about not being a developing nation is completely preposterous, considering the role of the U.S. in invading China, imposing unequal treaties on it, trying to forcibly open its markets to U.S. corporations. I mean, it's just, again, peak hypocrisy. But that's easy enough to point out. I also want to respond to his claim that China supposedly is not doing enough to fight climate change. I mean, this is in some ways even more outrageous. China is doing the most out of any country on earth to fight climate change and move toward renewable energy. When you consider the size of its population, the investments that it's making in renewable energy infrastructure, China is leading the world and the United States is basically doing nothing in comparison to Beijing. I just wanna start looking at an incredible graph here that was published by the Financial Times. And this just illustrates how nonsensical it is for the United States to accuse China of not doing enough to fight climate change and reduce its carbon emissions. This graph shows world investment in clean energy manufacturing. And we can see that since 2018, for five years, 
China has represented around 80% of the entire world's clean energy manufacturing investment. It has varied a little bit by year, but as of 2022, it was nearly 90% of the world's entire clean energy manufacturing investment. The US on the map is the little red box representing less than 10%. And by the way, it's not just the US, that's also with Canada. It's North America. So the US criticizing China for supposedly not doing enough to reduce carbon emissions is like the world's worst arsonist telling their neighbor that they need to work on fighting fires. I mean, it is completely just out of touch delusional. And I'm gonna look at two other graphs here that show just how insane Washington is for it's these accusations against Beijing. This first graph shows all of the solar panel capacity in the entire world that has been installed. And altogether, all of the solar panels, which are known formally as photovoltaic cells, they're known as PV often in short. If you look at a graph of all of the solar panels installed in the world, it represents around 1,200 gigawatts. Just China represents one third of the world's entire installed solar panel capacity, 462 out of the 1,200. That means that China has more solar panel energy capacity installed than the US, Japan, India, Germany, Australia, Spain, and South Korea combined. If you combine all of the solar panels installed in those countries, China still has more. And by the way, that is only looking at all of the solar panels that have been installed in history. If you look at what China is installing per year, no country comes even remotely close. A similar graph that is also from the NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, shows the deployment per year, that is the installation of PV photovoltaic cell solar panels. And we can see that in 2022, China installed nearly 100 gigawatts out of the entire world's installation of 230. So China represented close to half of the world's entire installation of solar power capacity. China installed roughly five times as much solar panel capacity in 2022 as the US did. And yet Washington is lecturing Beijing about supposedly not doing enough. This is a report in the renewable energy industry focused website, Clean Technica, that notes that in 2022, 44% of all of the new electricity capacity installed in China came from solar power. China was responsible for 42% of all of the solar power capacity installed in the entire world in 2022. Moreover, if you combine all of the solar power capacity and the wind power capacity installed in China in 2022, it represented roughly two thirds, 64% of all new electricity capacity this is the seventh year in a row that solar and wind have combined to lead China in new power capacity additions. And at the same time, by the way, coal and fossil gas had their worst result 
in more than a decade. Now, among critics of China, it's common to hear them criticize China's use of fossil fuels and coal. And it is true that China does still use coal, although the reality is that over time, it's going to decrease the amount of fossil fuels and replace those with renewable energy. China is still a developing country, despite Jake Sullivan's insistence to the contrary. China is still developing, and many countries in the global south are simply trying to provide electricity to poor people in rural areas. China has had a massive poverty reduction campaign to lift 800 million people out of poverty. And part of that includes providing electricity, water, clean potable water, healthcare services, education. A lot of people in the global north don't even think about that because they're living in developed countries that developed through war and slavery and exploitation and imperialism and colonialism. Whereas many people in the global south a lot of poor people, especially in Latin America and in many parts of Sub-Saharan Africa, don't have access to electricity or clean water. So obviously, if the country is trying to simply get out of poverty and develop, it's going to try to use any form it can to do that. But China is, as it develops, also moving toward renewable energy at a breakneck speed that no other country on earth comes even remotely close to, including the United States, which is criticizing China for supposedly not doing enough. Again, the hypocrisy is ridiculous. Here's a report from Bloomberg in May 2023. China's solar boom is already accelerating past last year's record surge. It notes China's solar sector is accelerating an already world-beating pace of installations. I want to repeat that. World-beating pace of installations. China installed almost three times the volume of solar capacity in the first four months of this year than it did in the same period in 2022. It is on track to add more solar panels this year in China than the entire total in all of the United States ever installed in history. I want to repeat that for emphasis here. China is on the path this year in 2023 to install more solar panel capacity than the United States has ever installed in its entire history in all parts of the U.S. And yet... U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan has the gall to accuse China of supposedly not doing enough to fight climate change and, and reduce its carbon emissions. Again, it is like the, the worst arsonist in the world accusing his neighbor of not doing enough to fight forest fires. I mean, going back to this Bloomberg article, there's a graph here that shows how in the past three years, well, two years, 2021, 22, and this year, 2023, China has continued to break its record by installing more and more solar panels. And the article estimates that China could install 154 gigawatts of solar capacity in 2023. The US and all of the country and all of its history has only ever installed 144 gigawatts. And by the way, it's estimated that China next year could install 200 to 300 gigawatts of solar capacity. That means that next year, according to this report in Bloomberg, 
China may install twice as many solar panels in one year than the U.S. has ever installed in its history. I mean, the pace of China's transition to renewable energies is absolutely incredible. No country on Earth comes even remotely close. Reuters reported this June that China's installed non-fossil fuel electricity capacity now is the majority of its electricity capacity. It is over 50%. I'm going to read here from Reuters. China's non-fossil fuel energy sources now exceed 50% of its total installed electricity generation capacity. Non-fossil fuel power sources such as wind and solar power account for 50.9%, 51% of the country's total installed capacity. And by the way, China's goal that it established in 2021 was to meet this target by 2025, and it accomplished it two years early. So not only does China have government plans for its economy, it actually, in many cases, meets those plans early. Meanwhile, in the United States, they can't even replace the thousands of bridges that are a danger of breaking, of falling apart under people's cars. The way the Wall Street Journal put it is China is undergoing a green revolution and it is quietly succeeding. I should point out the Wall Street Journal is in no way sympathetic to China. It's very critical of China. And yet they acknowledged in this report that China, this is from June of this year, China added 62 gigawatts of solar and wind power capacity in the first four months of this year. In comparison, the country added only around 26 gigawatts during the same period in 2022. So that's two times more than last year. It notes that China's solar capacity has risen by 44% since the end of 2021. China is already a massive hydropower power generator as well. So the total renewable percentage will likely be even higher because hydro is, is often not included in these statistics. Instead, they look at solar and wind. I mean, if you just look at a graph of China's installed renewable capacity from wind and solar, it just keeps growing more and more every single year. But what's funny about this article is that the Wall Street Journal complains that while China is helping to save the world, foreign capitalist investors can't make money off of it because it's being driven by the state, by state-led investment. The Wall Street Journal wrote, quote, China's immense renewable build-out is good news for the planet, but so far it has proven tougher to make money from Chinese renewable stocks. For investors, the best play might be to stand by and watch the show. So China is saving the planet. It is leading the world in renewable energy technology infrastructure with 80% of the world's investment. But because foreign capitalist investors can't make money on it, well, the Wall Street Journal is telling you, just forget about it. It's not important because, you know, it's all the Chinese government that's doing it. How sad. Socialism. It's saving the world from climate change. Very, very sad. You can't profit from it. And speaking of Western corporations not being able to profit, the Financial Times published an art, a column that is titled China's dominance of solar poses difficult choices for the West. And basically, the article points out that 
A lot of Western governments love to claim that they care about climate change and care about, care about renewable energy. The U.S. constantly says that. But in reality, it's China that puts its money where its mouth is. And the Western governments are actually not doing that much to fight climate change. It's purely rhetorical. And if you look at the renewable energy industry, it is almost entirely controlled by China. If you look at sol at all of the parts that go into creating solar panels, China represents the vast majority in most of the solar industry, including the vast majority of the modules, the cells, the wafers, the polysilicon. In fact, China represents nearly 100% of the world's wafer manufacturing and over 80% of the cells manufacturing. And the U.S. has been imposing sanctions and tariffs on Chinese solar panel makers and other Chinese tech companies. So the China, once again, is leading the world in renewable energy technology, leading the world in fighting climate change. The U.S. is not really doing that much, and yet it's constantly criticizing China and claiming to be leading the world. I mean, once again, you have to look past the cynical greenwashing rhetoric of Western governments to see. In fact, when you look past that cynical rhetoric, you can actually see that the Biden administration, which you know, Donald Trump is a climate science denier and basically the entire Republican Party in the U.S. denies climate science. I mean, they are like knuckle dragging primates. I mean, they are trying to destroy the entire planet. They don't believe in basic science that everyone around the world recognizes. And yet the Democrats, they say they recognize the science and yet they do nothing to actually nothing significant to challenge the big U.S. fossil fuel corporations that are destroying the planet. And of course, are also donating a lot of money to their political campaigns, which is one of the main reasons. This is a report from the Center for Biological Diversity, and it shows that, in fact, the Biden administration has been giving out more oil and gas drilling approval permits than Trump did. He, I'm reading from this federal data show the Biden administration approved 6,430 permits for oil and gas drilling on public lands in the first two years, outpacing the Trump administration's 6,172 drilling permit approvals in its first two years. So Biden is actually breaking his promise that he said he's not going to give oil and gas drilling permits on public lands, and he's doing it even worse than Trump. And the, the article, this press release notes that, quote, the Biden administration's policy of fossil fuel expansion contradicts the clear climate science that fossil fuel growth must be stopped and governments must phase out fossil fuels to avoid the most catastrophic consequences of climate change. However, I would add that it's specifically the wealthy imperialist countries in the global north that already developed Telling Global South countries they have to do it is not fair because they have not been able to develop. There is a burden on the Global North. They need to play, pay climate reparations so poor countries can develop. But again, the hypocrisy of the Democrats shows that while they'll criticize the Republicans rightfully for not believing in basic science as the world is cooking around us and they're risking killing billions of people. 
And this is an important point. It's not going to be the rich people in the global north that suffer the worst catastrophic effects of climate change. They can pay to move to Australia or Antarctica or wherever or Alaska. It's going to be poor people in the global south that already are bearing the brunt of the extreme weather caused by climate change, including typhoons, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. And it's very easy to explain why. I mean, a lot of poor people in the global south, they live in shanty towns. They live in houses that are made of, you know, basically, you know, spare parts of, you know, spare pieces of metal and spare pieces of wood. It is not very well done, you know, architecture. It is not safe housing. So when there is an earthquake in a place like Haiti, thousands and thousands of people die. This is also what happened in Turkey. There were a lot of low quality housing, housing that was not manufactured at a high level, that was done very cheaply, and it all collapsed because of the earthquake. So that's why these are, these earthquakes are often known as class quakes, because if the same intensity earthquake happens in a country, a rich country that developed through imperialism and has much better infrastructure, not as many people are going to die. So the point is, once again, there is a burden on the wealthy imperialist countries in the global north that are not doing that much to fight climate change. And yet they lecture countries like China and the global south, which are leading the world in the fight against climate change. I mean, I've made my point again, again and again here. I just really wanted to stress that, that the wealthy capitalist countries in the global north that developed through imperialism have a debt, a climate debt to the global south, and they owe the global south reparations if they actually do want to fight climate change, if they do want to make this, this planet livable. And we'll, let's see them put them, their money where their mouth is. Instead, they prefer lecturing their adversaries for supposedly not doing enough. While the U.S. continues to wage war around the world, the U.S. military being the world's largest institutional emitter of greenhouse gases, of carbon dioxide, the largest consumer of fossil fuels. I mean, again, as I began this analysis saying today, the United States is the most hypocritical nation on earth. With that, I'm going to conclude. I'm Ben Norton. This is Geopolitical Economy Report. Please, on whatever platform you're watching or listening, subscribe, especially if this is YouTube. It helps to promote our material in the algorithm. Please subscribe. And if you want to support the work that we do, we don't have any big donors. We don't have any institutional sponsors. We rely entirely on, on viewers and listeners like you, small donations. Please consider going to geopoliticaleconomy.com support. And there are several ways you can donate. The best way is you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopolitical economy. I want to thank everyone. I'll see you next time.